Hey, I'm back with another Voice and Vibes. And today we're going to talk a little bit about perfectionism because it's something that I deal with every day. And it's something that I wouldn't necessarily say that I'm in the thick of because I feel like once you have awareness, it's easier to deal with things. So I am aware of this in myself. I work with a life coach. She is phenomenal. And during our work together, one of the things she told me was that I have a tendency to be a performance-based perfectionist. And it wasn't like she told me it to be hurtful or to make me feel bad about myself, but it was to help me understand what we were facing and one of the things that we were going to overcome. And I looked back over my work. I looked back over my life as if I'm so old to see the spaces where this came up, to see how this helped me have anxiety, to see how this interfered with some of the opportunities that I went after and even some of the opportunities that I went with and how I performed them. And so performance-based perfectionism, let me tell you, it's not the jam. (laughs) So, but we're not going to sit with that. What we're going to sit with was I journal a lot and I meditate a lot. I think we understand that by now. But I kind of wanted to take the opportunity to, you know, meditate on this, figure out where this performance-based perfectionism came from. And one of the things that came to mind, you know, was when I was in school. I've shared this story before, but I was young. I was in third grade. And before, let me give this a little bit of background before I throw my parents completely under the bus, because this story throws my parents completely under the bus. My parents meant very well. I am African-American. I'm not sure if you know, depends upon where you're hearing this, but I am. And one of the things that we are taught and one of the things that we learn, especially depending upon the environment that you grew up in, you have to be better than to be equal. I grew up in a predominantly white school and a predominantly white environment, and I was often the only African-American person in many of the spaces that I entered. And so this was something that I knew. I knew that to be looked at as equal, I had to be better than. So right then, you know, I'm already on this performance high. I got to make sure that everybody knows that I'm worthy of being in this space. And I felt like my worthiness was proven by what I could provide in that space. So just understand that even in third grade, (laughs) this is something that I know. Anyways, I was preparing for a presentation and I'm going to listen, y'all. The fact that I know this like verbatim just shows you how this was ingrained in me. I was practicing for a presentation about bears. Okay. And this presentation has to be perfect because it's going to be in front of my whole class. Actually, rewind. I'm in second grade. I'm in second grade. My third grade presentation was about Claire Barton. We can visit that one later if we have time. But I was in second grade and doing a presentation about bears for my absolute favorite teacher. I mean, I have several of them, but this lady is high up on the list. Her name is Ms. Rowena. She is bomb and we are friends on Facebook. But anyways, I was in Ms. Rowena's class. And so we were practicing at home and my parents decided that they were going to record me because they wanted me to see my presentation back in real time so we could make real time tweaks because this third grader was going to give the most profound presentation on bears that one could find. So anyways, I'm recording and something else, something else about me, I guess we're going to get all into my personality and my quirks today. I don't know if you've seen the TV show Bones, but I'm a lot like Temperance Brennan. I'm a super literal person. I don't mean to be, but sometimes shit just goes right over my head because I think you'd be being serious and you're not. So I am a very literal person and I was literal in second grade. (laughs) So I'm sitting there giving this presentation. And I said that bears live to be however old unless they die. 
And I don't know what else is going to happen to a bear that's going to keep them from living. But unless they die, they live to be a certain year. So I think it was like 27. I don't know. My parents, while recording me, burst out laughing because I did the same right now. As you see, that sounds funny because what else are they going to do, Ashley? Like dying stops them from reaching that age. Like you don't have to say it. But in my mind, I had to say it because I had to let the people know they're going to live to be however years old unless they die. But the important thing is, I remember what it felt like when my parents laughed at me. I didn't like it. But then when we watched the recording back to see my face and to see what it looked like to hear them laugh at me, I definitely didn't like that. And so I was young. You know, my little second grade brain was like, how can we make sure this never happens again? You will never, you don't public speak. Like the only way to avoid this feeling is to just hate public speaking. And so from that point forward, that was my story for myself. I don't like to do presentations. I don't do public speaking well. And the only way that I was able to get around those feelings was to prepare profusely, like to the point of like exhaustion. And that brings me to third grade when I had this presentation on Claire Barton. Again, you know, you have to do more to be perceived as equals. I'm like, what can I do? Because I can't have a repeat of second grade. That was tragic. I like froze this time for my presentation. It was awful. I mean, it wasn't awful, but you know, I felt awful about it. But you know, we had practiced enough. I could pretend it was fine. So anyways, it came to my third grade presentation on Claire Barton. And I told my parents the presentation had to be like 30 minutes long or whatever. And we were allowed to have note cards. And I was met with either I said or they said that I wasn't going to need note cards. I don't know who. So again, I'm not trying to throw them all the way under the bus. It could have been my grand idea for how to be better than everybody else. But nonetheless, we practiced. I mean, I would come home from school and I would have to practice a quadrant of my presentation. And then before dinner, I would have to practice a quadrant of my presentation. I had a poster board divided into four parts. It was her early life, her teenage years, when she became the Claire Barton, and then her for her like later in life. I had all the stages. And I mean, we ran through that thing over and over. We timed me on the clock in the kitchen, on the microwave. I mean, we did that thing every single day. And it got to the point that when it was time for my presentation, I did it with no note cards. I did it from start to finish flawlessly, flawlessly. And everyone said it was wonderful. My teacher said it was wonderful. However, one of the comments was that I didn't have to make it so hard on myself. I didn't have to do that. I could have used note cards. So that also then frustrated me because I was like, look how I performed. This was a wonderful performance. How are you going to come back and tell me that I did it wrong? Like, I shouldn't have done that. Like, I didn't have to put that much pressure on myself. So then again here, my overly prepared performance did not hit it off with the teacher like I had wanted it to. Like, it was great, but she still had negative feedback. So as you can see, this performance-based perfectionism will just have you all over the place stressed out. But it started so young for me that it's something that was, it's literally been a fabric of my anxiety that I have just learned to deal with. And I've learned to oscillate between these whole, like, these polarities between like, how am I going to perform here? How do I need to perform here? What is it going to look like to perform here? What does perfectionism look like in this space? Like, I have mastered driving myself insane to make sure I show up appropriately and perform to my best ability in all these spaces. Tiring is what it is. So I have spent the greater part of the beginning of working with this coach, which is the beginning of the year till now, really dissecting where I perform, what my triggers are to perform, and being aware of them and just stopping myself dead in my tracks. If I feel like I'm getting ready to do something, not because it's what I feel like I want to do 
or not because it's something that I feel like I am supposed to do. Like if this is a space, Ashley, you need to show up, yes, do it. But if I'm doing it for anything other than those reasons, I just stop myself and I sit with myself and I'm like, why? What is the driver? Why do you feel this way? Why are you doing these things? And it's the same thing with perfectionism. Since mine is tied to performance, I really sit with my my terms of performance because the only other places that I actually experience perfectionism as a form of procrastination, because that's what it really is, is in my business. And you know, like I, as a business coach and a business strategist, I have the mentors in place, I have the coaches in place, I have the tools in place to help me mitigate that. But when it comes to like my personal self, I did not know that I was running myself ragged doing these things. So I'm trying not to reference COVID as much, but if you are quarantined as I am, that provides a lot of time and opportunity to kind of like have fun exploring some of these things with yourself. I mean, in the thick of it, (laughs) being a performance-based perfectionist is not fun. But remembering some of these stories, being able to look back at them and laugh, being able to think about my second grade self, my third grade self, and send her loving energy and let her know she was, it's good, girl. You you all right. Like to be able to do some of that, to call my parents, you know, and talk through some of that and laugh with them. Because I mean, they were grown doing the best that they could. They didn't know that they were sitting there driving their child wild. I'm an only child, so shit happens. But that has been one of the ways that I have been trying to use this time to my benefit. And that is one of the ways that I've been trying to work on something that has been so difficult for me. But I actually have been working with a couple of other people now that I have a term for it, now that I know what some of this has been rooted in for myself. And we are working on creating a tool for others and a tool that helps you, whether you're performance-based perfectionist, whether you're just any type of perfectionist and looking into ways that you can kind of lessen that stress that you're putting on yourself. Because right now, I mean, everywhere you look, you know, you hear that to hustle now, sleep later or whatever. A while ago, I used to tell people that well-oiled machines don't grind. So I don't subscribe to grind culture. It's not for me. I subscribe to sleep culture, boo-boo. If I can't get my rest, it's going to be a problem. And I'm trying to encourage others, especially in this time, if you don't feel called to work on anything, then work on nothing. Work on yourself. Find a new TV show. Find a book that you didn't know you liked. Journal about some time in your life that was stressful. Figure out what the triggers were. Like, this is an unprecedented time that you have for you. And if you do nothing else other than wake up and make sure that you find the best way to make the best time for yourself, that is more than enough. If you want to explore your perfectionist tendencies, holla at your girl, hop in my DMs, hop in my email, we can do it together. So I hope you enjoyed my stories of Claire Barton Bears, Miss Rowena, and my parents, me throwing them under the bus. And I hope that you really find ways to enjoy this time. Until next time, stay mindful and happy high vibing. Bye.